Clyde Jackson, where in the world are you? You're not in Montana. <laughs> not in Montana. I'm in a state that I've never been in. All the travels I've done in my life around the country trucking. And I find myself in the 11th floor in, I think it's called Manchester, New Hampshire. Just waiting for a NASCAR race to fire up tomorrow. <laughs> New Hampshire, and, huh? uh, Yeah, you ever been out this way, New Hampshire? Actually, I haven't even been in the territory of Puerto Rico. I, I haven't been in any of the United States territories. <laughs> That's pretty much what it feels like. I always, in my head, in my head, I always think of like New York's kind of like, yeah. And you know, Maine's like out there, but if, I just, I don't look close enough at a map. I'm just, New Hampshire's just out here, just east of New York state. You just go east of New York and here you are. So I, I've been in New York, I've been in Maine, I've been in Vermont, and I've been in Rhode Island. I, so you've been all around. But I, never I, been. I don't think I've been to New Hampshire. Zeroed in. It's actually, there's quite a coven of, of NASCAR fans out here. So looking forward to a good race tomorrow. And yeah, just punching it out, man. So there's a little coven or coven. I'm not sure oh, either way. There's no coven. Is, there? is it a coven? Yeah. I think a coven. So there's a coven yeah. of redneck, redneck. NASCAR fans in the in what is traditionally a little bit more of a, a liberal bastion. It is. Yes, I would say that this town is definitely a bastion of progressive folks and whatnot. But the ra- the racetrack's about half an hour north up in Loudoun, New Hampshire, but the hotel is here. And yeah, we went out to dinner tonight, and it, I it's I'm just really getting cultured out here. Who would have thought that NASCAR would have cultured me? But I am definitely being cultured. Uh, uh, so New Hampshire. So how long of a drive is that from, from North Carolina where you guys took off from then? Yeah, we took off out of uh, Mooresville and came up. Uh, where did we come up? Is it uh, 81? We came up and, uh, and over, I think it was about 16 hours. It's like right at 900 miles. And it was, uh, we broke down on the way up. I was driving the night shift and all of a sudden the truck shoots this alarm off. This says you have three hours until your engine will derate, which means to, it'll take all the power away and you'll be stuck out in the hills. So we lucked out in at midnight. We were able to, to find a, a guy, a young guy. This was actually pretty impressive. I, I want to tell you about this. JT's Repair in Martinsburg, West Virginia on Interstate 81. Kid came out, worked on our truck from like, 11 p.m. till about two in the morning and a 28 year old mechanics got a shop got some some younger guys working with him and as he's working on the truck and you know, i like to chat these mechanics up while they're working and he said something that kind of i really applauded him for it he goes yeah i've got a couple young guys working in the shop and i said do you have a hard time finding young guys that kind of want to hang around and are just content to like mechanic and just live here and you know be out here and he goes no no we've got some some good young guys he goes they just have a hard time finding someone that will take the time to show them the ropes and i was like well what do you mean he goes well you know they just need some guidance and direction these young guys they got a lot of ability but no one to kind of show them the way you know these these, some of these mechanics get pretty impatient with them and instead of showing them how to do it right they just kind of blow them off and i was like you're mentoring these young mechanics. He's like, yeah, I guess that's what you call it. 
I was like, good for you, man. I was like, that's huge. So anyway, you ever stuck out on Interstate 81 in the little tiny sliver of West Virginia that we go through, then hit up old JT, man. Good kid. What was wrong with the truck? We had a, basically, all the, the EGR system is getting plugged up. That's the exhaust gas recirculation. See these new motors. Mm something they came out with to do this is getting a little mechanical i know but they actually inject some of your exhaust back in to your engine so it kind of has to it's kind of like think of it like chewing up your food and then instead of swallowing it when it gets about halfway down you kind of baby bird mama bird kind of throw it back up into your mouth and chew it up a little more (laughs) and then swallow it that's kind of what an egr system does in a same on a motor well, I'm surprised that you went to the a bird example versus what you know more than birds. Isn't that just almost exactly what a cow does? Oh yeah, chewing the cud. Chewing the cud. Who needs so, a bird when you got so, the cud? So these EGR systems, basically, you might as well just say my truck's chewing its cud. Just chewing its cud. Is that kind That's of exactly what it is? Exactly what the truck's <laughs> doing is chewing its cud. Oh, yep, yep, yep. So they anyway they they chew the cud as a way to reduce emissions by burning that exhaust a second time. It helps lower some of their emissions and, and it, it does, but they, they're quite problematic. And, and so that's what we had. Our, our, our turn came up and we had a little breakage, but we only were three hours behind schedule and still rolled in. Does your co-driver Chris just sleep right through that or does he get up and. No, he's like, give, give me up and then goes haywire. So I, I woke him up and yeah, he was very unpleasantly surprised. He was a little, he was a little growly there for a while as, as any trucker is when, when you have the middle of the night breakdown, you know, I think we called, we made nine phone calls. Here's what was the funny thing. Made nine phone calls. He was the 10th guy that we called. And of the nine, every one of them advertised 24 hour, you know, roadside stuff. And all nine of them were like, yeah, we don't do that. Yeah, well, we're around till 11, then we're done. Like, oh, okay, well, I want to update your Google listing. <laughs> do you, when you make that phone call, do you lead off with, hey, this is uh, Jackson Allen from Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s racing team? Well, here's the thing. I had to, I had to drop- coach Chris up a little. This is what I was surprised with. I was like, Chris, you leading with, you know, we got Dale Earnhardt Jr. in the back of the truck? Well, that's what I listened to him do a phone call and he was kind of holding back, you know, just kind of stating the problems. And I was like, Chris, Dale Jr., Dale Jr. (laughs) And then finally, I could just tell as soon as he mentioned it, all of a sudden, old JT starts perking up. What? NASCAR rigs? So (laughs) so that got us. I was like, oh, I, yeah, lead, lead with that. Every angle, every little leverage we can come up with. And. And so we gave JT some hats and got them all dolled up with some some swag out of the hauler and happily oh. on our way. Oh, man. Here's what was cool about him. He was like, he could have just used his computer and cleared the cleared the codes out of the computer and then sent us on our way. But he's like, now, hang on, I, I'm going to clear it, but I, w- I want to kind of figure out what's wrong here so it doesn't just pop back up on you down the road. In the end, he... He basically made a list and says, okay, when you this should get you back to, to North Carolina after the race. But when you go, just tell them 
this is what you want done. And he gave us a list. Boom, 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 boom. So take it to Peterbilt. You don't need to diagnose it. This is what's wrong. Tell him to do this, this, and this. Mm. It'll be good as gold. So it was, it was cool. I was just, it was just felt very well taken care of. Well, good. What's, what's that kid's name again? JT. JT's Repair. JT's Repair in West Virginia? Martinsburg, West Virginia. Just a little town on, on Interstate 81 at the very, very uh, bottom of West Virginia on 81. Oh, good for him. Yeah. Uh, and so you've, you stepped away for just a, a quick little break here from the haying at the ranch. I know you've been hard to hang. And yeah. The, uh, if, if anyone has been watching Jackson's Instagram stories or, or reels or whatever, I'm not sure which or which, but one of the two, you are getting a firsthand look at some of the real life experiences that we talked about of stuff getting bailed. <laughs> It's funny we I were just believe. we were just talking about it and and you they just start popping up all over your Instagram. Yeah. See and and something more actually that'll be on the on the YouTube episode from Hang was that I almost ran over and caught a live porcupine. And I was kind of gunning for it cuz there's such a gnarly little creature for the ranch, but it got away. And then here I am a couple days later out there bailing hay. And I look down and what do I see but a fully disemboweled porcupine that had been run over by the the mower. <laughs> and there wasn't a whole lot left. Do you think but it was it, the it, same it, one? I don't think so. I think it was, I, guess, I mean, it could have been, but I, I, I doubt it. I think he, this guy was headed the other way. He's probably one of his cohorts. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, but, so, uh, but it was, it was good. I got to introduce Freddie for the first time to... What like a like a serious maggot, like a pile of maggots. Like, <laughs> you never seen that, you know, full on like whoa, what is this? Yeah, no, I I was out moving cows at my place here last week, uh-huh. and my horse, who kind of gets to run around the pasture on the outside of the cows, usually always comes up to say hi, and she was a little bit a little bit unfriendly, didn't really uh-huh. want much to do with me, which is is extremely out of character and so i was trying to figure out you know what was going on i got close enough to see that her nose was full of porcupine quills oh really have you ever seen in your whole life growing up in fairfield a porcupine in fairfield especially out in a big irrigated pasture not the only time i ever saw him was out west on the way towards the mountains yeah every once in a while you'd see one dead on the side of the road out there but never Never, never seen one around here, place. and not only have I never seen one, but somehow my horse was able to find the only one in the whole area. It apparently, <laughs> hadn't seen one either. Like the <laughs> the chances of a single horse finding a single porcupine <laughs> where they're almost unheard of in this area. Yeah, it just so, rolls on in. Of course, you know. I think I think I'm gonna have to figure out where it's at though, because I've been noticing on some of the trees chunks of bark. Ooh. Off of them, and I I was wondering what was going on. I think it's probably that that porcupine's chewing them. And if you ever go out at night, take a big spotlight and just make a pass around the place. If you're ever out, see if I can. They they love to roam at night, and they're they're very easy to spot because they're just you know bristling around through the through the grass. But that's when you find most of them is at nighttime. If you just go make a pass, yeah. So they're out and about. So anyone that doesn't have a lot of experience with porcupines, which I 
don't have much, but I do know that if you have trees, you know, they eat bark off the trees, but if they eat, they'll, they'll eat a complete ring around that tree. And so when you get that, a ring of bark gone, a lot of times that ends up killing the tree. Yep. And so that's why I'm, I might need to, I wonder if you can, I don't know. I wonder if you can live trap those. What? No, they probably don't. Cause you, they don't, I guess they don't eat the same stuff as skunks. Yeah. If, if you, if you find the, the trees, Maybe the wet cat food might work. I don't know. Uh, if you find the trees that they've been chewing on, maybe you just put a piece of bark in the trap. Maybe they'll just walk in and chew on the bark. You don't, have, go ball, you don't have to rip the bark off here. I'll cut it off for you and put it in the live trap. <laughs> yeah, they, they, uh, you can actually, they go up in the trees too. So you go spotlight up in the trees and shine your light around. See if you sometimes you'll find them up a tree. I'll have, to, I'll have to make a little journey. I'll probably run into a grizzly bear. Which probably are, which you don't have around Fairfield very very rarely but I guess if porcupines here I'll probably go out and run into one at night just never know oh. <laughs> oh yeah I did have a fun little fun little thing happen today at the racetrack yeah what I was in the hauler sitting there chatting with, with Taylor talking some cows and the door slides open and this guy walks in and I wasn't really paying attention and he comes and starts you know kind of I don't want to say butts in, but it was clear that it was like, oh, Taylor's attention is now on this guy. So I, I kind of look over and there's Dale Jr. Sitting there in the holler, talking, talking shop with, with Taylor for the, for the practice rounds. And so I was, I mean, it's a very, in the holler, it's this narrow little hallway. So you're just sitting there, you know, a foot away from Dale Jr. And everyone's like, oh, you know, they kind of assume you see him because you work for his race company, but. He's, he's very rarely around there. So it was almost as rare as a porcupine in Fairfield was Dale Jr. just walked into the holler. And just, I just played it cool, you know, what they wanted to be like, oh, yeah, that ain't nothing. Because he gets really fanboyed a lot. I think it's, mm. it would be hard, you know, it'd be kind of a burden to go around to the races and stuff, you know, because it's, you're going to get, I mean, everybody everywhere from, you know, is going to want to, take their picture and stuff so so was this like the first sighting the first sighting for you yeah 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 i mean i saw him once in the podcast studio which i you know i listened to his podcast to try to kind of learn and just 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 hear it and hear the flow and he's got a very successful podcast dale jr download and so i was was just playing it cool i just kind (laughs) of taylor told me after he goes you played that that was perfect very cool Nice job. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it was kind of fun. Uh, did you just keep your eyes downcast, like not even attempt to make eye contact? Or I just ba- I, I like I got down on one knee and just kept my head down. Well, I've, well, I've heard like like sometimes movie stars and other things they don't like people to even make eye contact with them. Like you can't even look <laughs> in their eyes. So like, did you like just kind of look at the ground? And... I just looked right above his eyes instead of looking at his eyes. I just looked. Right above, so he's always like wondering, "What's this guy looking at?" <laughs> not looking, not making eye contact. What's he looking at? <laughs> huh. Oh, but but it's cool. He he works for for NBC. They do the the NASCAR broadcasts in the second half of the season. So he's there because he he works Saturday and Sunday doing television now for this part of the season. So that's kind of why he was there. But it was cool, you know. Got to say. Rub shoulders there with old Dale Jr. Oh man, <laughs> did you get him as a guest for us? Did you? 
know. Because like that's I... almost the opposite of fanboying. Well, I know it's not the opposite, but it's like just hey, treat them real business, like just like another you know another podcast. Like hey, you know, we should collaborate just because that's what podcasts do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or well, offer you yourself know. to be a guest on his podcast. Yeah, Dale, I'd love to come in and sit down sometime with you guys before I fly out. You know, just to talk to you about a couple of things about about how 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 cush we have it in these trucks going cross country. <laughs> how easy! I wanted to open my eyes up. Look in my eyes, Dale. Can you see the red in my eyes? Because <laughs> I never sleep when I'm working for you. I never sleep. <laughs> oh, well, good. Hey, I got a couple news articles that I came across this last week that I wanted to run them by you and get your thoughts on them. Um, yeah, do it, Benham. I think you're going to definitely yeah. have some opinions on them. Mm. Uh, I think I'm going to start with the. I'm going to start with this one. the The title is called "Truckers Flooded the Market During COVID." Now they struggle <laughs> to pay their bills. Truckers flooded the market during COVID. Interesting. All right, so, so I'm going to do a lot of summarizing here, and then I'm going to I'm going to read some exact stuff, but basically talking about all the supply chain problems through COVID, you know, saying lack of truck. I mean, you heard all the stuff that there was an incentive yeah. for new truckers to get into it. There, and it seems to indicate there was a, a flood of truckers into the market, particularly, I'm going to say more independent drivers versus people driving another company's truck. And now these drivers are struggling to find work. And so this, it's just talking about with so many people buying goods to their homes during the lockdown, you know, there was a big increase in, in trucking. And so there was the article then goes in and kind of focuses on one, one lady, actual female trucker, 39 year old woman who had worked for six years driving across uh, country for a, a trucking company as an employee of them. And then during COVID shipping rates surged and she made the decision to, to strike out on her own. And so she made a decision that I'm going to think you have some thoughts on to take out a loan okay. for $175,000 to buy a new truck. This was her fix to the... This is... So she was driving for a trucking company. And then when she saw how yeah. high rates were, she, she was going to become okay, independent. Okay, this is when she took out the loan. Okay. okay yep. When she decided to go independent, she took, she took out a loan for $175,000 to buy uh -huh. a new truck. Yep. And it says that there were and just, times... And just so you know, that's for like the most base new truck you can buy. That's what like the most basest, simple, low-powered new truck you can buy right now. So she, so, so for a period of time, she was, she was making up... She was bringing home up to 20000 a month in profit. You no. Know, she was rolling with her, her new truck. And then shipping rates tumbled. And so <laughs> things got a little tight. And okay. I think it goes on here that she actually lost the truck. Couldn't, couldn't make her payments. So between the start of the pandemic and the end of last year, the number of trucking companies increased by 50%. But many of these companies were actually just a single truck and a driver, you know, an independent driver, but they're called a trucking company. So it wasn't like new truckers. It was probably people like this, this woman who had so, left man, the company. Rates are this own. high. Why, why drive for someone else? Yeah, yeah. And so now there's, there's all these drivers that the article goes on and says there's all these drivers with less demand for them and, and it's creating competition that's driving down 
shipping mm. rates. Here's here's another little addition to that. They are they are drivers that are extremely inexperienced in the business of trucking. On top of the just the, the current climate that's developing, you have this huge flood of extremely inexperienced business people. So what what do they when they see I gotta make a payment and <laughs> can't find the load? What do they offer to do to get a load? They offer to haul it for less than they should because they got to make that payment. And that's what drives the market down. Mm. Well, so there's a, I don't think, I think that's kind of the, the, the highlights of what I thought you were going to have some opinion on. But this mm. is, this is just of also interest. Since October 22, 15,000 uh-huh. trucking companies have shut down their operations. Oh, I which, believe it. Which we say, you know, trucking companies, it can be a single, single truck. Um, right. Yeah. Just anyone with the DOT number. Yeah. They just probably had that many DOT numbers going active or deactivate. And someone here who's in an analysis um, for trucking, trucking logistics, he, he's quoted as saying he estimates another 2000 carriers are going to have to leave the market before this supply of drivers is going to kind of balance with the demand. Tell you what, though, if there's fifteen thousand since twenty two, that doesn't like take very long. Two thousand. Well, it doesn't seem like it take very long to get to two thousand. Right. If yeah, if you're getting, yeah, no kidding. That's like what another month. <laughs> but <laughs> like, so in a month, it's going to write itself. Uh, interesting. So analysis. anyway, so I, I know that you have you have very strong opinions and thoughts on taking out big loans for trucks. Yeah, yeah. And. And you know that's the exact opposite of how you you have ever done anything. But your your big thrust in that is, if you are tied into this payment, you're gonna do whatever you have to do. If that means you're you're driving for a dollar twenty eight cents a mile, isn't that what we came up yeah. with that other podcast where you said don't ever yeah. do it? Yeah, you're doing those dollar twenty eight a mile. Oh, uh, so. When you're ready for me, I've got some. I've got some thoughts. Here. All right, yeah, that's it. I turn it over to you. Let her rip. So let me. I've spent some time because this has been very heavy on my mind, especially as I've been out, you know, doing NASCAR and not not hauling, you know, at home as much as I typically would. I spent a lot of time thinking about where's where's this all headed, where's the market going, and so I've made some phone calls around, talked to a few. I've got some friends that are in the the shipping side of business you know i'll tell you this one instance that comes to mind here i called a friend of mine that lives in idaho and he runs a recycling basically a recycling branch of a big company in idaho and he told me i said how's how's freight looking on your end what are you seeing from your side where he's hiring trucks and sending loads out i said what, what are you seeing he goes oh man it's getting rough isn't it and I was like, well, this is what this is how I was feeling. This is why I called you. So yeah, give me your your report. He goes, I've got a load that we ship fairly regularly from South Central Idaho to Los Angeles. And he said, I've paid over the years from this particular load, you know, through COVID and everything else. He goes, I've paid as as high as thirty eight hundred dollars for this load. Now keep in mind. It's about an 800 mile run. So if he's paying $3,800, he's paying, you know, 
north of four dollars a mile for this load to go to LA, where diesel's super expensive. It's a really high cost route. He said, I shipped a load last week down to Los Angeles for nine hundred dollars. Nine hundred bucks. Someone someone did that. Now he doesn't before everyone starts thinking this guy's a coyote, the corporate big corporate office of this recycling place sets the rates. You know, they 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 kind of know what's going on out there. And they say, well, let's see if we can get someone to do it for this. And I understand they're trying to save money, right, on their on their business end. Truckers should be smart enough to say, that's bad business. I'm not accepting this load. But somebody did. Somebody took that load for, it comes to like a dollar and, I can't remember, like a dollar and 16 cents or something like that a mile. Which is <laughs> just insane. But that's that's what he's seeing on his end. Now, to get back to, just real quick. You know, this this uh, news outlet, whoever you read this article from, how many times did you hear during COVID that we are 75,000 truck drivers short? Did you hear that all the time on the news? Truck driver shortage. No trucks around. No truck drivers. I mean, it was a regular thing. That's all you'd hear on the news all the time. So how do we go from the news saying we have 75,000 truck driver shortage to now we're overblown you know 15,000 companies have gone out of business and we need thousands more to go out of business before it's going to balance in the course of a year maybe a year and a half you know it's probably about the last time i heard news so there was no middle ground we've gone from according to the news from shortage to now massive overage which is driving the markets down and my view on that is that there never was a truck driver shortage. I, I just, I don't view it as a shortage. This is just my personal opinion. Sure, it was hard for people to get stuff shipped. You had to wait a week or two weeks to get a semi. But trucking ebbs and flows. Like there's busy times and there's less busy times, you know? And when it gets busy and everybody comes and jumps in, you know, that, that tends to be problematic. But it just always bothered me that the media was saying, there's this huge shortage, no truckers, no truckers. I'm like, hold on, there's plenty of truckers, just give us a minute. Trucking's not something you just jump into at the tune of $175,000. You don't just bop in there for a bit, you know? So I thought that's interesting because I would almost I would almost bet that whatever outlet kicked out that letter that you just read, mm-hmm. Or that article, I bet you could dig back on their website and find an article from them less than two years old that would be talking how there's a huge trucking shortage. I bet they reported on the same and bought into the same the same frame of mind. So that's kind of neither here nor there. It's just my take on that media is really frustrating sometimes. Mm-hmm. As far as the debt thing goes, you 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 kind of alluded to it already. I just don't understand I don't understand why people uh, are so happy and willing to take on such terrible risk. I mean, even now, as I am, like established and years into it and, and debt-free, I still wouldn't buy a truck. I still would not go buy a truck. I would not. I just wouldn't do it. It's just too much money to have out there on, on an uncertain market. And that just goes into, I mean... Bless her heart, she was just trying to better her life and go out and do something that looked like a good opportunity. But it it just plays more into this idea that when you get into trucking for the first time, 
you cannot start at the top of the pack. You've got to get down to the bottom of the barrel and get you a truck that, you know, an old truck, an old cheap truck and, and go with it. Because even if you couldn't make the payments on an old cheap truck, oh, well, you lose a $35,000 truck to the bank. That's a whole lot less of a disaster than, you know. Well, in losing. this article, now that you're talking about losing the money on the trucks, uh, a lot, a lot of this article says a lot of these independent drivers that got into the trucking business during the pandemic, a lot of them purchased equipment at like super, super high prices. You know, when vehicles were so high, you know, all the, the demand was high. All yeah. the major shippers, Amazon, FedEx, everyone was was buying up vehicles to keep up with this demand. Now that yep. prices have started to come back to pre-pandemic levels. A lot of the drivers are underwater on their loans, so not yeah. only and so not only did they buy expensive, they also bought way you know way kind of a bubble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bad, it's, it's a bad a, combo, man. So then this article, and this just is of interest too. It's the same analysis who says there's so many drivers leaving or considering leaving trucking that he's worried that we're going to end up again with a huge shortage of drivers once demand returns. Continuing this cycle of booms See, and busts. This is why I just I just don't get. It. I'm like, no, it's not. I mean, what dictates a shortage? Like, I've used this analogy. Like, if you have to go stand in line at a, at a at a place where you get food or some kind of a service, and you have to stand in line for ten minutes, do you go, man, this is ridiculous. They got a shortage of workers here. Like, they need to build another one, you know, next door so they can handle people don't have to wait ten minutes. I'm like, oh, it's just a good, busy, it's a good, busy place. Yeah, you got to stand in line for a little bit. But to go as far as to be like, there was a shortage. You're like, well, I don't know. And I, I don't know that I know which qualify as a reported shortage, but I just, I just don't buy into it. Mm-hmm. And this is how, this is how all things happen. I mean, look at a, a place that gets a huge hailstorm. Who, who descends on a city that just got hail bombed? All of a sudden, you have all these roofing companies show up, you know, going door to door trying to sell you on replacing your roof. You got tents popping up in all the mall parking lots doing hail, you know, hail repair. And, and of course, they're the outfits that tend to be maybe not quite as, you know, just not quite as good (laughs) as, as maybe the outfits that have been in your town doing these services for a long time. And I think you run into that same we've run into that same thing in the trucking world. It, it looks like, Oh, let me, let me share this one with you too. This is kind of tied into our NASCAR a little bit, but we have a sponsor trucking and logistics outfit called Jarrett. I've talked about them once before on the podcast, just being a good, a good outfit and a good family run deal. They, I started following them on Instagram and they put out once a month, they put out this, like this freight report. Just kind of what's going on out there, and because they see it firsthand, I mean, they ship like crazy. And this this will blow your hair back a little bit. This was one year ago, so year to year. Basically, last week versus a year ago, last week, the volume of freight is down sixty percent, sixty percent less loads out there than there was a year ago in their freight sector, which is a lot of dry van type stuff. 60% down. And on top of that, the rates 
on the loads that are out there are 30% less than they were a year ago. So add those fixed fact factors into the mix and you can see why everything went from sunshine and roses to doom and gloom for these, these small, fresh business people mm. trying, to, trying to truck 60% less loads. And summer, this is like the, the busy, busy time, you know? So you're like, oh, you think it's bad now? Wait till wintertime rolls around. Oof. Mm. Well, and and this is this is what people got to prepare for. And you look like the the dummy that drives an old paid for truck until until this all shows its head, you know. And then you, you're not. I mean, I'm not here to say I told you so or anything like that. But you just appreciate the, the well, choices. It's an example. It's an example of of the what ifs. Right, happening, you know, and right, you know, if if you are, if something's really booming, it seems like things that are really booming have a stronger opportunity for really busting. So if you're if you're really booming, you probably should have your eyes open for when the bust happens. Where's that going to leave you? And yeah. and start protecting yeah. yourself and not having a, a big loan that has to be paid off on a, a truck that was probably bought at an inflated price. Yeah, yeah or if, something to look at. Like if you're making 20 grand a week, which sounds like insane, and I mean it's good solid money, but owning your truck, yeah. You know, it's not like it's outrageously, you know, I've had some some 10-day periods that were like that hauling cattle and doing some things. Granted, she was not hauling cattle, but that money needs to be going. You need to be throwing all that at your loan. Like, hey, here's the 20 grand this month, throwing it all at this loan. Use the good times to get everything cleared out, cleared up. And then that way, when things get sketchy, you can go, oh, okay, I don't have any overhead. So if I do get forced and need to run a little cheaper than I would like, yeah, I'm set up to be able to be more competitive in the market. But um, Yeah, it'd be interesting uh, to see listeners, you know, thoughts on that. Yeah, it's funny because I, I find myself wishing, and this is, you know, I wish all these people the best. Obviously, you don't you don't like to see people go out of business ever. But I, I mean, I know what's I already know what's going to happen. Like <laughs> the story that you shared is happening. So rather than going out and undercutting everyone and ruining all the rates, I find myself going. You know, they ought to just don't even try. Just just turn your truck into the bank now. Don't ride it to the bottom. Just see the writing on the wall and go turn your keys in and. <laughs> Walk away, you know. You don't have to ruin the market for everybody else that's going to have to stick around and be here through all of this. And you mm. know, like we're all we're all trucking forever, so we're going to be here on the other side, no matter how ugly it gets. We're always going to be out on the other side. It'd save everyone, themselves included, a lot of heartache to just just call it a little early, you know. Yeah. All right. Let's it's go to the next man. story. Yeah. This happened this last week in Illinois, Interstate seventy truck driver who was hauling jimmy dean sausages had to stop for the night or he was going to risk violating federal regulations limiting his driving time his logs yeah um so he he pulled into a rest area completely full so he parked on the wide shoulder of the exit ramp you know leading leading very common yeah see it all the time they go all the way out to the interstate on these ramps yeah in the middle of the night he was this driver was awakened because he was sent flying out of his sleeper into his dash. 
Ooh. So he got out and, and ran back and a Greyhound bus had rammed into the back of his trailer and burnt on fire. Passengers Jeez. are kicking out windows trying to get out. It actually ended up killing three of the 22 <sighs> passengers. Another 14 were trying to, trying to determine the cause of this bus, you know, why this bus uh, hit this trailer. But they're, they're starting to really look, these investigators are looking at the safety risks by trucks parked on these ramps. So this article starts going into, there's an estimated 13 million trucks on U.S. roadways, and there's, there's no chance of having enough overnight parking places for trucks. But at the same time, you've got federal regulations that require trucks to stop for the night, essentially, mm-hmm. or whenever their hours are out, and it's electronically monitored. So with just a i mean you hardly get over that limit and you're you're already electronically electronically monitored and you're going to be getting fines so mm. so truckers are, are in this this situation where uh I, you know i they don't have a place to park i'm gonna have to figure out a place to park or i'm going to get fined do you know what they tell you do you know what you're know an officer's response is to like if you cut it right down to the last minute and you go a little over do you know what the average typical response is from law enforcement to the trucker? What's that? They say, well, you should, you should have known that you're going to have trouble finding a place to park and should have parked earlier. So they're saying you should have just cut some hours off your clock and, and, you know, not pushed it to the limit. And you're like, that is, that is like, where do you get off giving that kind of a response? <laughs> you just, you just go home and quit work early. Basically is what they're telling you. Yeah, it'd be nice. Can't afford it, man. I got to use my hours. I got have to earn a living, you see. And so that's 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 a very very common and very typical law enforcement answer to a trucker who who you know or or maybe you parked in a bad spot where the cops are like, "Hey, you got to move." And you're like, "I I don't have time. I don't have my clock." Well, you should have stopped an hour and a half ago cuz you knew there was going to be no parking on the outskirts of St. Louis or whatever. <laughs> it's like, "Oh yeah." Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll remember that next time. Thanks for the tip. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm familiar with every single town across the country, every little nook and cranny of the country to know where the, every parking place is going to be. So yeah, yeah, uh, I guess you're right officer. It's, uh, it's a shame. And it is what's frustrating is they pass so many regulations this is just a tragedy all around. I mean, it's well. It's so let me this this driver as he's interviewed, he had hoped to get to a town called Troy, Illinois, where he thought there'd be parking. And mm-hmm. you know, as you know, things sometimes there's eventualities when you're out on the road. And so he didn't make it to Troy. He was 15 minutes from Troy. Mm-hmm. But he said his electronic logs. He gets violation if you drive 10 minutes extra to find a parking place. Yeah. So. He, he, he needed 15 minutes more, but he, he was out. So it's a, I don't know. So it's a, an interesting. So instead of being able to see here, here, this was the beauty of paper logs. And everyone's like, well, you, you, you cheat and you lie with paper log books. You go, no, paper log books let you make common sense decisions. It was obviously not going to be more dangerous for this man to drive 15 more minutes down the road. But because he has an electronic log book, it's permanently etched into the record. Let it be known for the next 10 days that this guy violated his logbooks. So the way the current rules are set up, if he gets caught like two days later, they'll put him out of service for a day. They'll say, well, you're going to sit here for a day because you went 
you went 15 minutes over two nights ago. We're shutting you down. And that's how they enforce that. Whereas a paper logbook, you could just say, you know what? I'm just going to fudge this. I'm going to mark it as my 11 hours and say I made it to Troy. Very kind. That was, that's what 99% of paper logbook people did. But everyone acts like anyone with a paper logbook just is a total, just a renegade outlaw wild man. You're like, no, paper logbooks let you take a nap when you're tired in the middle of the day. With an e-log, you can't stop and take a nap because you lose your hours. Mm. Paper logbook, you could just shuffle a few things around and take your nap. I'm tired. I'm 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 a danger to the road. I'm gonna now you gotta choose should I take a nap and lose a bunch of money? Or should I drive, you know, unsafe and tired? And uh, that's the reality of these electronic logbooks. It's interesting that you brought this story up because I read an article about electronic logbooks. And this is going to come off as another governmental rant, probably. But when they mandated the electronic logbooks, which has been, I would say, several years ago now, the the rule, they said, okay, the, the, the governing agency of our government, the FMCSA, they were required in implementing this rule in so many years, you have to report back and give us a report of did these e-logs actually do what you said they were going to do when you made it an official rule and that time came up here recently and guess what they didn't have a report they said oh you know with covid and stuff we just couldn't get any conclusive results and so we just didn't do it and that's the that's it that's their answer we didn't we just didn't do the report so this this company the article i read was from overdrive and overdrive had done a their own little research project and found that nothing has changed. The crash rates and such continue to climb. The actual things that matter continue to climb. The real safety issues continue to climb, like this guy having to park out on the edge of the freeway because he's out of time. That's that's real safety. Driving for 15 minutes over your clock on a paper logbook, that's not real safety. That's not real issues. But Parking out on the freeway, dang sure is, is, was made pretty bare by this terrible accident. Yeah. I know the log, uh, logs and, and driving hours is a thing, but this was a, I think I have a suspicion and I, I think I shared this story on the podcast before and, and not too long ago when I was in, in North Dakota in the oil fields, um, right out of dental school, when there was just tens of thousands of trucks on those roads every day, everywhere. Mm-hmm. And everything is moving fast, moving aggressive. It's just just crazy over there in that oil boom. There was a, a, a country road that a farmer lived on, and he lived right on a, a pretty sharp corner. And I think the, the speed limit dropped way down to go around that, that corner, you know, from a, a highway speed down to like 35 miles an hour or something. And all these trucks just were just blowing around this corner. Very unsafe. You know, that's where he lived. And right before this corner, there was a narrow bridge. And he, he had one of those real big, big farmer out there, big farm, which all those dryland farmers have those giant tractors that take up both lanes of the highway, essentially, when you drive them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. His tractor, his tractor happened to break down on that bridge right before that corner. (laughs) <laughs> and um, he couldn't get it to run, so he just uh, locked the door and took the keys to go, <laughs> to go buy parts. 
And yeah. So that tractor sat on that road for for most of the day until the sheriff's department was able to track him down. Oh, and, um, see, I think it took it took like six or seven hours for the traffic to it had backed up so far. I mean, it took the whole day for that traffic to clear oh, out. I of bet. It. Can you imagine the plug that it caused in the oil field that day? <laughs> but I heard this story because I got to be buddies with the lieutenant on the sheriff's department there. And so he, this okay. came from someone who seemed to be involved very closely, you know, with right. the, the, the monitoring of safety, you know, laws and whatnot out there. But he, he told me that the backlog for those trucking companies and all that, that they didn't have any issues with that corner ever again, because those trucking companies and everything, the backlog, said, <laughs> we can't have, we can't have the road shut down like this. Yeah, right. So in that, in the spirit of that farmer's ingenuity, I would, if I was not on the roads, I would appreciate when truckers run out of hours, if they just CB up and they just park side to side in the middle of these roads in the freeway and shut roads down, (laughs) just shut them down, shut them down and see how long it takes before something changes. Right. Because we cannot survive without trucks on the road. So if you just start pulling truckers out of their trucks and say they can't truck for stopping on the roads, well, pretty soon you're not going to have all this stuff. I mean, it's, it's a, it's again, I, I, if, if truckers could all kind of run out of hours at the same time and just park (laughs) on the freeways and and shut the roads down. Strategically right on right in these big metropolitan freeways just at the wrong time of night we ran out of hours and where there is you imagine the morning disasters where and you just just uh, go to sleep put on your earplugs put on your blackouts and go to sleep for eight hours and shut it down i don't think truckers truly realize the power like they hold the power of the universe in i mean in the palm of their hand I mean, I, I think we've kind of touched on this before. If, like, like Dallas, you know, a couple of years ago, they had that big ice storm and trucks couldn't get in there for like two days. I mean, yeah. within a couple hours, there was no food in the grocery stores in Dallas. Just I mean, totally. These big cities, out. these big cities have, you know, they have multiple food deliveries during the day at these grocery stores. Right. And, you know, trucks don't, if trucks miss a day, you've got empty grocery stores. I mean, the power that truckers have if they were able to to unify in some manner and say, yeah, this this is just the common sense is gone. We need to have someone with common sense set this regulation that we agree with. And if we don't, then we're, yeah, not, I mean, not even necessarily yeah. plug the freeways up, but just not drive. But yeah, you I mean, wouldn't have to do a protest. Just don't drive. Just hold up. But could you imagine, could you imagine just the trucks side to lane, side to side, you know, across the four lanes just stopped a couple of trucks deep. That's it. <laughs> it can be a beautiful thing. <laughs> Sorry, we're out of hours. What are we, yeah. we going to do? We're out of hours. We can't, the law yeah. says we can't, we can't drive. Smarty, if I could have a paper log, I'd just, I'd move myself down to the next truck stop. But I run out of hours. I can't move. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's maddening, man. And, and what, what really, I just wish they would just be honest because they, they always say this with these regulations. If it saves but one life, you know, I think the whole e-log projection, they said they were going to think they said we'd save 27 lives a year by implementing e-logs. 
but they don't think of things like this. They don't even, they never would bring it up. Things like how many lives are lost by some, somebody having to park out on the edge of the road and something like this bus hitting. I, I mean, you know, that's happened many times over the last several years. You just don't hear about them all. You know, there has to be more incidents with trucks on the side of the road, you know, having interactions with, with other vehicles. And it's like, so let's talk safety, you know, can we talk real safety? If we're going to talk safety, don't, don't, let's not delve into these silly, these silly fake reasons that you make. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a couple articles that I, I stumbled across and was curious what you, what you thought about them. It's, it's funny. It's funny. I, so I've never had an experience with e-logs as, as some of the listeners may know. I've never, I've never been on an e-log till I started doing this NASCAR stuff. And it has blown my mind to see how strictly the electronic logs have controlled these NASCAR drivers as far as, I mean, they, they just live and die. Like we've done some insane maneuvers trying to get into a truck stop so that we can get our 30 minute break done before we reach the eight hour mark of our shift. Like we're driving 85 miles an hour. We got it. We got three minutes to get to this truck stop. And and in the end, we had a we had an instance where we didn't we didn't make it, so we had to pull over on the side of the freeway, and switch drivers and and log out. And again, everybody would go the enforcement side would say, "Well, you should have pulled over sooner." You're like, "Well, you know what? The rule says this: you stop by eight hours, okay? So you can't tell me when I'm taking my break. All right? You say I have up to eight hours, so I have up until the clock strikes eight. You know." And if that means I got to pull over on the side of the freeway, that's, I guess, what we have to do. But it's so outrageously dangerous. And I just, I'd never seen it firsthand until we started doing this, seeing how much danger that an electronic logbook can, in certain uh, instances, bring to the roads. It, it just has been surprising. Where my mentality is always like, whatever, I'm going to go over on my hours, whatever, I'll figure it out, make it work. But in this situation, you're, you know, you're working on a company deal and it goes to the office, the office, you know, and this is how all these truckers have to live. The office is going to inquire, why did you go six minutes over your, you know, into the red zone? (laughs) Well, because I didn't want to pull over on the side of a busy freeway in Texas to switch drivers. So we went six more miles down the road and made our switch. Well, Mm. it's a violation, you know, violation's a violation. So I I don't think I've ever been more vehemently opposed to having electronic logbooks mandated than I have since I've had to use them. Mm. Well, so just give guys the option, man. That's all I want. If it works for you and you like them, great. If you need to have a little more freedom, like a lot of people do, to to shuffle your hours around, it's not even hours; it's just minutes. To shuffle your minutes around a little bit. Anyway. Mm-hmm. I want to come back to your adventures with animals and haying. Oh, you right. tell me about this owl, this baby owl that you found. That thing was. <laughs> did you see that? Yeah, that was that was a weird looking. Did the did I'd it seem never, like the mom came back and found it, and all is good with you handling it? I think it? so. I so so someone messaged me a, a bird, a, a very avid bird person, and said, "Oh yeah, don't worry, that mom will definitely find that baby." They, they emit some kind of sound and they have supersonic wizard hearing and that mama will definitely find that baby. 100% guarantee it. But I, I was just going along again, just out there cruising, making bales. 
and I look down just at the last second, right down in front of my tire. And I just see these two huge eyes. They're like the size of silver dollars. It seemed like big old eyeballs looking up out of the ground at me. And it was just one of those things that looked crazy enough that I jammed on the brakes, you know, and stopped. I was like, whoa. And it's this little owl. And it was kind of in that stage where it didn't have feathers, but it wasn't bare. It was just kind of in the middle. And he was just sitting there, had his head turned all the way around backwards, you know, looking at me from his body was facing forward, but his head was backwards. And he's just sitting there checking things out, really distressed, kind of open beak, breathing heavy. But but they're, <laughs> they're kind of a cute little creature. So I, I gathered him up and he sunk his claws into the meat of my hand and took him out of the way to safety. I, I'm sure there's some others probably from that nest maybe that didn't survive the 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 season. But anyway, we found him. And I, I kicked around and tried to find some more, see if there were some more babies in the in the windrow. But got him out over there into the tall grass and, and I'm sure his mama came. And I wonder how many, got how many babies an owl has. I don't know. I bet, I bet three or four, but that's just a guess. So you never know. I've, I've had a lot of run-ins over the years. I remember the first time I ran, I ran over a baby deer once when I was in high school swathing. Make you feel better. Yeah. For, it was for Billy Jack. I was running a swather for Billy Jack and outside around. I just barely clipped this thing just enough to end his life. Mortal wound. And I was young enough. I mean, you still feel bad now, but I was young enough that I probably kind of shed some silent tears because <laughs> I felt so horrible. I mean, this little spotted fawn, and I, I kind of ran it over, kind of crushed his head. And I was just like, oh, you know, and then it's mom. And then I come around the next round, and there's his mom just sitting there looking at me. And I'm like, I am so, so sorry. I think that's what made me shed a few tears as a, 15 year old teenage boy when this doe came back around just giving me the doe eyes and i was just like i'm sorry i'm so sorry yeah no but that out that that it, that that owl was a weird looking creature yeah when, when it was yeah, on your instagram that was a weird but yeah. yeah good good catch on that yeah you just never know what you're gonna find out there in the old fields you never know Never know. I got out one time to, to change the twine in the baler, and I looked down and I found an old cell phone that we dropped. Somebody dropped out in the field chasing cows. It was a flip phone, so it was in the flip phone. I think it was a. Do you remember the Motorola Razors? Mm-hmm. The Razor phones—they were so sleek. I think it was a Motorola Razor, and it definitely made me smile thinking of the simple days, uh. <laughs> the old flip phone days. Well, we're about out of time. I um, I'll tell you one one story from the jail today. I was in the jail. Ooh. Oh, that was today you were there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's a, a real funny story. I think the whole thing in its totality just um entertains me. But when I was working at the prison in Shelby through the pandemic, there was a kid there that I did some dental work on, and I just I liked the kid. I made me laugh kind of a goofy bugger and he was he'd been in, he'd been in in prison for a, a few years and he was he was going to be out shortly and just very excited to get out and get on with life and so when i started working at the jail in great falls i was walking down and through the windows in one of the housing units 
there he is sitting in no there. No way. <laughs> and I stood there till I caught his eye and I just kind of shrugged my shoulders like, what, what are you doing? And he just kind of shook his head and, you know, I'm... He's probably thinking the same thing. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Well, so then the next week, I had a, I had a uh, request that he needed some dental dental work done, and so called him down, and I just said, "Ben, what?" He goes, "Well, he goes, I was doing good, but then I, I got in a high speed chase, with the cops." <laughs> and I said, it's gonna happen. How do you just kind of end up in a high speed chase, man? With the cops? I go, I know sometimes the accelerator gets stuck in low, you know. <laughs> He goes, yeah, I think it was something like that. Anyway, so he gets, he gets, he gets busted. And so he's back, you know, back in jail waiting for hearings or whatnot. And he's trying to, you know, be well behaved. So he gets out and he, he tells me that in the brief stint that he was out, he, he ended up becoming a future father of twins. The girl that he was with became pregnant with twins. So he's, he's in, you know, in jail. And so I saw him today. And I, for some work, and I just asked him how the, how it's going with the twins. I said, what are, they're doing August. I, I couldn't remember. And he said, oh, I said, oh, I said, that's a, how's she doing? He goes, ah, uh, not real good. He goes, we've been actually, we've been fighting. I said, oh, man. I go, you just have to be quiet at that stage of a, a pregnancy, let alone twins. Yeah. And, so don't you listen to the podcast? Yeah. Yeah. And he, um, <laughs> so he. I go, so I mean, what happened? He's like, oh, he goes, I was, she's thinking I'm with some other girl. I go, but you're, you're in jail. He goes, yeah. He goes, I, you know, I was talking to my home girl. That's what he called her. He goes, just my home girl, not, not my girl, my home girl. And she's all mad about that. thinking I'm with her. I said, well, how did, like, how would she even know? How? And he goes, well, on Facebook, he goes, this girl. I was doing a video call with my homegirl and she recorded it and put it on her Facebook page. And then my, <laughs> the, the, the girl has got the twins saw it. Oh, and so, so he goes, so now she's calling, she keeps calling, calling me here and just mad. And he goes, and now I got, I got in a fight. And so I got a misdemeanor charge. So I'm not going to get out. I'm not going to be there when they're born. And so then I said, like, what, tell me what happened. And he said, well, I, I can't remember the term. There's a, a term that in jail they use for people who are illegal immigrants that have been picked up and are being held for whatever reason. And I can't remember the term. It's something I, I had never heard before. It's like Pisces or I go, what does that even mean? He goes, I don't know. That's just what they're called. He goes, they call themselves that. So it's not apparently not a derogatory term because he said they call themselves that. He goes, anyway, there was this kid who came in. And he goes, he didn't, you know, he didn't have any, any money or anything. So they get, they get their regular f- food, but they also can have money put into their accounts so they can buy, you know, extra, you know, snacks or other things beyond what they, what they get fed. And he goes, oh, this kid didn't have anything. So I was kind of helping him out. And I, he just really likes Oreos. And so I, you know, I, I got him a couple packs of Oreos and he goes, he must've saw my pin number that I put in. Cause he goes, I got, he goes, I got a bunch, I got my money, hit my account and I went in and he goes, and I was like five, five or six bucks off. Like there's five or six bucks missing and like five or six bucks for these guys. I mean, that buys a ton of stuff. It's crazy how much stuff that buys in jail. In fact, when I was, when I was in Shelby for me to buy bottled water out of the vending machine at the prison in Shelby, it was, you know, like whatever, two bucks. And the, the inmates there could get the exact same water for like 30 cents a bottle. It's like, what? Anyway, 
So, so <laughs> like five or six bucks is a big deal. And so he's, he starts doing investigations. He's looking and it's like a dollar. He goes, it's like a dollar 17, like, like four or five times. He goes, the only thing that costs a dollar 17 is Oreos. His Oreos. <laughs> so, so he goes, so I go up to where they hang out and, and he's sitting there dunking Oreos in, in his coffee. And I'm like, Hey, where'd you get the Oreos? He's like, oh, so-and-so got them for me. And it's like another, another guy who doesn't even speak English. And he goes, that guy's like, put his hands like, no me amigo, no me amigo. <laughs> <laughs> and so he goes, so I had to, so I had to, you know, I had to let him know that you can't just go take my money, which means he thumped him up a little bit. Put a thump on him. <laughs> and he goes, but I'll, but I'll, but I'll, I'll give him his props. When they did the investigation, he told the officers, I, I got beat up because I stole Oreos. <laughs> it's just the whole the whole the whole thing that you're you are maintaining your cred in the prison and you have to beat someone up because over Oreos that are being dunked in coffee. It's just Bro, eating my Oreos. It's just just the the silliness of this. You know, it's a very so so this guy literally is not going to be there for the birth of his twins with the girl who's already unhappy with him because he's video chatting with his homegirl. Over Oreos. It's literally over Oreos that he's not going to be there. Oh, I think I remember like in kindergarten, things like that. Kind of that mentality, you know, where you're like, somebody stole my cookies out of my, my, my sack lunch. Like, I'm ready to throw down. You know, like you're that worked up at that age. <laughs> but it just, oh, man. Yeah, so anyway. So anyway, I don't know that it's the funniest story, but the totality of the thing, I just got a kick out of it when he was telling me it. <laughs> just, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of good commentary that could be had out of that between the home girl, not my girl girl, but my, I was just talking to my home girl and she's posting it. And like, even that in itself, like that was a big deal for home girl. I'm going to post a video of me talking to my, I don't know, is he a home guy? I don't know. Like this is so meaningful that I'm going to use data, and I'm going to take up a little space of the internet, posting this video, chatting with with this guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah. Anyway, so he's he's it still like the wrath. Sounds like you have a pretty good manner with these these prisoners. <laughs> like you're yeah. able to just to communicate in, in a good way with them. Yeah, I, I enjoy myself. I think, I think, yeah, I, I, I feel like I, I get along with everyone just fine. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, funny stuff, man. Anyway, well, that's. I think we're out of time. Um, Are we? That went quick. Probably. I haven't watched. I know. Well, I will tell you this. We, you know, we did that that real kind of rough, unedited trucker's friend episode. Yeah. Our UPS driver, he he is a podcast listener, and he. I happened to be home when he dropped something off and he was like, he goes, I, I haven't ever seen Jackson's YouTube channel. He goes, but I didn't, I, I got a, I enjoyed the trucker's friend episode and Whoa, I, um, without even seeing the video. And I go, I go, oh, yeah, cool. And you, you know, did you, you catch where we got the name from? And he goes, Oh yeah. And he told me, he went right to the episode and explained what it was. <laughs> I think I'm going to be true blue. I think I'm going to still not come out yet and say what, the trucker's friend is yeah, for anyone no, who wants no. to do a little investigative work, but I don't, I don't think we ever should. I think we just keep it a permanent. If you know, you know, if you mm-hmm. know, you know, like that's how you're like, and it would be like the secret handshake to be in the inner circle of steady at the wheel. 
Like, <laughs> you know, the trucker's friend. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, yeah, well, I gotta, I gotta get through the rest of your next video. I've been, been a little bit locked down, but get through that and we'll, we'll maybe while you're driving or something here on the way home, yeah. um, we'll go through another, put out a little, another trucker's friend and. Oh yeah. Give you a little chat on the road. And then I'm going to actually be over your way next week. I got to haul some cattle out of uh, your country next week so we'll get together and do a little little in studio sit down all right well with that enjoy the enjoy the races tomorrow and we'll catch up with you on the road here you know we appreciate everyone's support we do we don't always get back to all the feedback that that we receive in a timely manner sometimes it's a couple mm-hmm. months but we yep. do we do appreciate people reaching out and you know and and communicating with us sometimes we're able we, we have some stuff we talk about but Sometimes when we get a little a little burned out, not burned out, not heard, we get a little overwhelmed with everything we have going on and, and trying to make yeah. a podcast. It seems like right about that time, we'll get a nice note from someone that, that kind of lights yeah. a fire again. So we appreciate totally. everyone and everyone stay safe out there. If you're on the road, park safe, I guess. Yep. <laughs> there you go. Right. All right. Good night, Jeff. All right. See you.